2 Corinthians 9, chapter 6, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 14 say this. Remember this. Paul is saying, don't forget this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Today we are talking about the law of sowing and reaping. Look at your neighbor and say, if you sow it, let's try it again, I'm sorry. Look at your neighbor and say, if you sow it, I'm going to reap it. That is not necessarily the law of sowing and reaping. Okay, here's a joke. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. This is a good joke too, so laugh really hard. Why did the farmer plant his money in the field? Because he wanted to raise some cabbage. Come on. Somebody said, why? <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm ready for fatherhood. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Okay, here's the idea this morning. It's really simple. It's very, very simple. You ready for this? If a farmer plants an acre of corn, how much corn will he grow? It's kind of like a ditty, you know? You guys want to say it with me? You can, if you can, just follow. If a farmer plants an acre of corn, how much corn will he grow? How much? An acre, an acre right? Or at least that's the idea. Rusty, I'm not sure if that's actually how it works. But, uh, the, to me, it makes sense, right? If you, if you sow an acre, you're going to get an acre of corn. That's what you can expect. Here's another question. If that same farmer decides to sleep in, hit snooze on the alarm clock, and doesn't plant any corn, how much corn will he grow? None. Right? Why? Because he didn't sow any seed. You reap what you sow. Now, this, this whole concept is, is really big, but today we're just talking about it when it comes to giving to God and giving to people. But this also applies to, to kindness, generosity, all the things. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And maybe you're here this morning, and when it comes to giving to God, that's where we're going to start. Right now, we're going to talk about giving to God. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and when it comes to giving uh, to God or tithing or bringing an offering before the Lord, maybe you say something like, maybe watching online, you say, that's Old Testament law, so I don't have to do it. Like, I'd rather just be generous towards people. I don't need to give in to God. I don't need to give my tithe because that's the Old Testament and we're free from the law. And in a way, you're right, but in a way, you're very, very, very wrong. And then you quote this scripture. Uh, you, you quote that scripture I had up there that says, I can give whatever I've decided in my heart to give. And Lord, today, that's approximately 1.3%. Like, God, today you get $10.25 because it's what I've decided. And I want you to know before I go any further that I'm not talking about this from the standpoint of somebody that's lived this principle my whole life because I spent the majority of my life with the view that tithing was just an Old Testament law and a modern day means for man to get rich. And I really believe that. So I understand you. I feel you. I really do. Trust me on that. But let me ask you another question. Who in their right mind? I feel the, oh, I feel the spirit on this one. Who in their right mind when it comes to internet would choose Frontier over CityNet or Suddenlink? <laughs> oh, all of a sudden you understood the whole message. You're, oh, there it is. Who would do it? No. Ain't 
ain't nobody. Nobody would do it. Why? They're both giving you internet. They're, they're both connecting you to the web. Why not take Frontier? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the other two will take that same internet, they'll multiply it, and then they'll give it back to you. God wants to do the same thing with your seed. He wants to multiply it and give it back to you. Consider something else. Throughout the entirety of the New Testament, and especially, who, Bible scholars in here, where are you? Every time I ask this question, ain't nobody ever raised their hand. <laughs> Bible scholars, where are you? There's somebody in here. My, there he is, one right down here. We got one, Ron. My goodness. About halfway. About halfway. All right, me too. Throughout the entire New Testament, and especially when Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, which is the, the, the greatest, most shocking sermon ever preached, y'all. More shocking than anything I've ever said, I can promise you that. He makes some incredibly controversial, some incredibly groundbreaking statements. And among them, like within all of this, he says the Old Testament law says one thing, but I say another thing. Or when you read it, you'll read it as this. You've heard it said, but now I say. You guys know what I'm talking about? For example, Jesus said, You've heard it said in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, if someone hits you, let them have another crack at it. You see, that's not easy to do. It's easy to hurt somebody that hurts you, right? But it's much harder to let it go and let them hurt you again. And there's more, more of a concept here. I'm not going into it. But what is he doing? He's taking the Old Testament law and he is raising the bar. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, don't murder your neighbor. Like, don't actually, don't shank your brother. Like, don't just go around shanking people. You can't do that. Like, don't actually do it, right? But then Jesus says, but now I say to you, don't even think about doing it. He's going from the Old Testament law and he's raising the bar. The Old Testament says don't commit adultery. Don't do what King David did with Bathsheba. Like don't actually engage in the act. But I say to you, if you even think about it, you've already committed adultery. He takes what was easier and makes it a little more difficult and raises the bar. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your neighbor and pray for your enemy. What's he doing? He's raising the bar. Jesus isn't just changing Old Testament law. He is raising the bar from the Old Testament law. He's calling us to a higher standard, not a lower, not a lower one. And it, when it comes to tithing, he is calling us up from tithing and into generosity. And it's just really difficult for me to imagine that Jesus is raising the bar on literally everything else but lowering the standard when it comes to sowing the seed. He's calling us to do more, to be more, and achieve more. But when it comes to money, he lowers the standard. He says, give less? No. Check your theology on that one. So in regards to giving to God, tithing, offering to God, I'm going to leave you with this. And then we're going to move on to giving to people. I'm going to leave you with this question. The question is not how much of my money should I give to God, but how much of God's money should I keep to myself? Right. I'm going to say it again. The question is not how much of my money should I give to God. It's how much of God's money should I keep for myself?
And when I had the realization that every single dollar I have came from the Lord, it's a whole lot easier to give back to him. You guys with me so far? Verse 8 kind of has this natural transition from giving to God to giving to people. So let's go ahead and get to verse 8. It says, God is able. Why is he able? Because we give. Because we give to God and to other people. It says, God is able. Everybody say able. able. That means he can do it. That means he's able. to. It doesn't say he will. It says God is able to do it, which means there's something we have to do before that thing takes place. It says God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their deeds endure forever. Does that say that, that when it comes to having what you need, that you'll have it sometimes? That, 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 does that say that, that, that having all that you need, that, that sometimes you'll have everything you need to do the good work? Or in some things, you'll have everything? That, no, it says in all things, in every occasion, I will give you whatever you need. I am able to do that. Are you able to do what you need to do to see it happen is the question. One thing I mentioned last week is the reality, if we're all being honest, that uh, a lot of times we are takers and we live with a poverty mentality. We do. We really do. And the thing is, like deep in our core, in our soul, we want to be sowers, but we're afraid there isn't enough to go around, right? Come on. That's honesty. That's real. But would you agree? Would you agree that it would be easier to sow some seed like it would be easier, it would be easier to sow some seed. It would be easier to give to God and to other people. Just, just, you know, carrot, carrot, warning, come on. It would be easier to do that if you knew you had a stack of cash on the table. Like if you knew you had an abundance, it would be a whole lot easier to give. Anybody, anybody understand that? And you knew no matter when I take a handful of this out, another handful is going to appear right there. Check this next verse out. Now, he who supplies seed, this is so important. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also what? Supply and increase your store of seed. What does that mean? Not what you have in your hands, but the abundance, the overflow. And he will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. My question is, who supplies the seed? Is it more work? Is it more people, more ideas, more capital, more overtime? No, listen to this. God supplies seed to the person that is willing to sow it. God supplies seed to the person that is willing to sow it. That's good news. Or in other words, if we give generously, God will continue to bless us abundantly. If God can get it through you, he will get it to you. Not just so you can be generous sometimes, but so that you can be generous on every single occasion that you want to be generous. And the cool part is because you're blessing the world around you, people will begin to see the God that lives inside of you. That makes me want to give every single thing that I have. Look at this next verse. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion with your time, with your money, with your resources, with your abilities, with your talents, with your skills, every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Paul is saying, not only is your generosity, whatever that looks like, time, money, talent, not only is your generosity meeting a basic need, like not only is it feeding people and clothing people and helping people, but it's going far and above and doing something to their soul. When people see generosity, it does something to the inside. Like, yeah, I need food, but man, you're freely giving me that. Just change something on the inside. Paul is saying if we will give, if we will be givers, generous blessings to people, it'll change their soul. There's more than meets the eye. Verse 13 says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to read that again. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanied your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. There's a whole lot of Bible here, guys. There's a whole lot of stuff I could explain, but I want to hone in on this one word, and it's a dirty word. Somebody needs to Cover their ears. Actually, you need it. If you're watching online, uncover your ears. You need to hear this. That word is obedience. Obedience. We don't like it, but it's there for a reason. And that reason is some people like to be sideline sowers. They want to be sideline sowers. Like they've got the gear, they've got the jersey, they've got all the looks, but they're not actually on the field doing anything with the talent on the inside. You feel me? Some people want to confess Jesus, sit in a pew, Pay their tithe and wait on the rapture. But that is not what God told us to do. Paul is saying, because of your service, because of your works, the scripture says faith without works is what? Dead. Paul is saying, because of your generosity, because of the seed that you're sowing, you are proving that you are a real disciple. Like you're showing everybody in the world around you, you didn't just confess Christ and hit the couch but that you're putting Christ on display with your obedience to him by giving to the world around you. Are you getting us this morning? You reap what you sow.